legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back. It's been three weeks since my last episode, which is unusual for me, and you might be wondering, what's happening? The answer is, a lot. I've had quite a few major life changes in the recent past. First, I signed a book deal with Rutledge, the largest and one of the most prestigious peer-reviewed academic book publishers in the world. In April, they are set to publish a book based on my dissertation. The book details the origins of the mass domestic surveillance state in France and Britain during World War I. In it, I describe how these democratic countries developed the institutions necessary to observe and control their populations in what is a precursor to today's modern all-seeing state. Titled, Domestic Surveillance and Social Control in Britain and France During World War I, look for it this April. In other news, I have accepted a new job as an assistant professor of history at Oklahoma Panhandle State University. Yes, I am now Professor Shiho. All that hard work finally paid off. The dream has come true, and from here on out, I will be educating at the university level. As a professor, I have a host of duties from teaching, academic advising, attending conferences, and publishing. As such, the podcast is going to slow down somewhat. Don't panic. The podcast will continue as long as I live and breathe. I intend on keeping this going forever and eventually making it to Macron or at least to Je Suis Charlie. However, the podcast is no longer my full-time job, which is great because it never paid as much as it needed to. This has always been a passion project, kept alive by patrons and one-time donors. So, what are the plans for the podcast? I have a few guest episodes lined up. Otherwise, I am determined to finish the First Crusade this spring. There aren't many episodes left, though those episodes will be long ones. Afterwards, I am going to finish up my patrons-only series on the history of the Louvre. From here on out, I am returning to my old format of putting episodes up on Patreon ad-free and then releasing them a month later in the general feed. If you want to get episodes ad-free a month early and access patron-exclusive episodes, please sign up for our Patreon for just $2 a month and never ask again, when is the next episode coming out? All right, enough about my life. On with the show. Today's special episode is a feed drop from History Daily, all about the man-on-wire Philippe Petit. Petit became famous on the 7th of August, 1974, 
when he walked on a high wire between the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. History Daily tells the fascinating stories of what happened on this day in history with new episodes every weekday. There's a broad mix of history from famous battles, fashion firsts, medicine, science, technology, religion, politics, sports, everything that made us who we are today. With episodes around 20 minutes, you can start and finish a show nearly any time you need a hit of history. Discover amazing facts that you've never learned about before. History Daily finds the overlooked and often forgotten human stories behind the names and dates of ordinary history. It's June 3, 1973, at the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It's a clear day in the busiest city in Australia, and commuters are making their way to work. But once these cars hit the bridge, they find they're going nowhere. The reason for the traffic jam becomes clear to anyone looking up. Between the bridge's 89-foot-high pylons, the impossible seems to be taking place. Dressed in black from head to toe, French performance artist Philippe Petit clutches tightly to the balancing pole in his hands as he steps onto a thin rope that he hopes will support his weight. After less than a week of planning, the high-wire trapeze artist is carrying out his plan to amaze Sydney's residents with an illegal tightrope walk between the northern pylons of the city's iconic bridge. It's a daring venture. Philippe has no safety net. If he slips, he'll likely die. The cable reacts to his first footstep with an ugly cry of metal tensing. He pauses for a second as his pole angles to the left, threatening to take him off the line. But he corrects his posture and then continues crossing. The silver gulls that encircle the bridge look on, puzzled by the human presence so high up. And down below, a bigger audience stirs. To those in the cars on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, it appears as if a man is floating in the air. Many can't believe what they're seeing and stop their vehicles for a better view. On his second journey across, Philippe stops and sits down on the wire to wave at the people below. But the jovial mood is interrupted by the arrival of a police rescue vehicle. Uniformed men try to get the traffic moving, but they have a fight on their hands. Everyone wants to see if this man on a wire will make it to safety. From his vantage point on the middle of the cable, Philippe sees officers moving toward the anchor points that keep his wire taut. A fear grips Philippe that these men might do anything to stop his performance, even cutting the ties to his line. Panicking, Philippe races across the wire to the platform on the northern pylon and begins climbing down until his feet find solid ground. Philippe breathes a sigh of relief. He's safe, but he's also in trouble. The moment Philippe's down, he's placed in handcuffs and taken to jail. But the arrest is worth it. His mission has been accomplished. As dangerous as the Sydney Harbour Bridge walk was for Philippe Petit, it's simply a precursor to one of the most outrageous feats of daredevilry ever conceived. Already in motion, Philippe's next plan will be far more perilous, with the potential to make him a global superstar or to end his life at the age of just 24. Because in a year, Philippe will step onto another high wire, but this time to walk between the newly constructed Twin Towers of New York's World Trade Center on August 7, 1974.
from Noiser and Airship. I'm Lindsey Graham, and this is History Daily. History is made every day. On this podcast, every day, we tell the true stories of the people and events that shaped our world. Today is August 7th, 1974. Philippe Petit walks between the Twin Towers. It's August 6th, 1968, in a dentist's waiting room in Paris. The 17-year-old performance artist Philippe Petit sits in pain, his tooth throbbing. He looks around the room for anything to take his mind away from his discomfort. He discovers the distraction he needs in a local newspaper, where he sees something that will change his life forever a newspaper article on the construction of a series of buildings in North America called the World Trade Center. The report details how the most impressive parts of the construction will be two towers, rising high into the sky, topping out a quarter of a mile above the ground. The images pique Philippe's interests. Though he's only 17, Philippe is a talented street performer and wire walker, known for his daring and innovative performances. And now he thinks he's found his next undertaking. Philippe continues to read, mining as much information as he can about these impressive buildings. The first, the North Tower, is planned to be 1,368 feet high. Its sister, the South Tower, will be only six feet shorter. Both will have over 110 floors, and such will be the incredible size of these buildings. It's said they could sway 12 inches on a windy day. Over 3,000 miles away from where these towers' construction is underway, Philippe's imagination goes into overdrive. He tears the article from the newspaper, stuffs it into his pocket, and leaves the dentist's office without even getting his tooth fixed. While the pain in his mouth still hurts, Philippe doesn't care because he now has a dream. He's determined to cross a high wire between the twin towers. But before he can carry out his vision, Philippe has to wait. Two years tick by before the North Tower reaches its finished height on December 23, 1970. It takes another seven months for the South Tower to top out. All this time, Philippe decides against traveling to New York to see the construction for himself. In his mind, he doesn't want to look up with his own eyes at the buildings where he hopes to make his name and not immediately begin scaling them. But that day comes soon enough. In early 1974, Philippe Petit lands in New York. After six years of dreaming about the Twin Towers, Philippe finally sees the reality for himself. But what he once believed was destiny becomes something else before his very eyes. Looking up at the monolithic towers, Philippe starts to believe the whole venture is impossible. The buildings are too high, the gap too far, death almost certainly awaits him. And that's even if he can get the tons of equipment he'll need past the countless police and security guards who have the building locked down like a fortress. Philippe even begins to doubt that there will be sufficient anchor points to rig his wire up to. He's forced to face that his dream is over. It simply can't be done. The realization is crushing. Philippe has waited so long for this moment. He knew he had to be patient, and he knew he had to plan. In preparation, he learned everything he could about the buildings, their construction, the wind conditions, and to get in practice, he conducted smaller but equally breathtaking stunts. First, an unauthorized high-wire walk between the towers of the Notre Dame Cathedral, then another on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But looking up at these monstrous towers before him now feels like all that planning was pointless. 
gripped by an urge to simply step forward and at least touch the buildings he came all this way to see, Philippe decides to still go inside. He rides the elevator to the 84th floor before a guard stops him and tells him to leave. Philippe obliges and starts traveling back down, but the urge to reach the top is too strong. He decides to try walking 110 floors to bypass security, and it works. Nobody stops him, and after years of waiting, Philippe finally makes it to the top of the North Tower of the World Trade Center. And then, staring out at the South Tower, Philippe knows his journey isn't over. In the months following his trip to New York, Philippe will return to France and resume his plan to captivate a city. The stakes will be higher than ever for Philippe. His dream will require weeks of patience, practice, and help from his friends. And Philippe will become determined to see his vision through, no matter the danger. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, there's always something new and delicious to enjoy. With over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, Factor is your go-to for all your dietary needs. Cheaper than takeout, healthy, and easy to prepare, Factor provides all the restaurant-quality meals, snacks, smoothies, whatever you need, they've got it. And with food ready to heat and eat, you won't have to deal with the regular kitchen mess. Factor is giving out a special deal for our show's listeners. Head to factormeals.com slash FrenchHistory50 and use the code FrenchHistory50 to get 50% off. That again is FrenchHistory50 at factormeals.com slash FrenchHistory50. Sign up now. Your stomach will thank you later. It's the spring of 1974. 20-year-old Annie Alique stands in a meadow in France. It's an overcast day as she watches her boyfriend Philippe Petit dance on a high wire above the long grass. Annie can tell his spirits are high as he prepares for what he has dubbed Le Coup, a plan to walk a high wire between two soon-to-be-finished buildings in New York that are set to be the tallest in the world. Before Philippe found a life-changing newspaper article on the World Trade Center, he had already perfected every act he could on a high wire. Backward somersaults, forward somersaults, unicycling. Within a year of practicing, he got every trick down pat. Now he wants to reinvent what he considers to be an art form with the most daring expression of his talents. The idea to walk between the twin towers of the World Trade Center is one Philippe has not been able to shake. No matter how difficult or dangerous it may be, it's his dream, his sole mission, and Ani has no desire to stand in his way. Ever since Annie met Philippe, the two have been inseparable. She often tells her friends that he's like a bright light that all things navigate toward, including her. And as intimidating as his single-mindedness may be, in many ways it's Philippe's passion that makes Annie love him. She was there when he first discovered his need to be on the high wire. She stood by him when he walked across Notre Dame's cathedral, and when he risked his life again on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And she's still here now to help him in any way she can. In the middle of this empty field, Annie has helped set up an unusual apparatus for Philippe. 
In the center of the pasture, hung between two 10-foot-high platforms, is a trapeze artist's wire. It's here that Ani and other friends helped Philippe prepare himself for the stunt of his life. Ani even occasionally joins him on the wire, hanging onto his back for dear life as he tests his balancing skills. Away from the practicality of Philippe walking the wire, the preparation also requires logistical work. Ani helps with this, too, as the team carefully constructs fake ID cards and counterfeit paperwork to get into the towers, and she helps them pick out uniforms that will make their stories all the more believable. Back out in the field, Philippe's crew works to overcome the problem of how they can get the cable to run across the 131-foot gap between the buildings. Someone suggests attaching one end to a baseball and hitting it across, but this idea is quickly abandoned after they realize none of them are skilled enough to hit the ball. One person experiments with kicking a soccer ball over the distance, but this doesn't seem like the right option either. Finally, they land on the idea of using a bow and arrow to send the wire sailing over to the opposite tower. The trial and error methodology brings Anise's nerves back up to the surface. Fearing the worst, she begs Philippe to let her come with him to New York, but he refuses, worrying that she'll be too much of a distraction. To reassure his girlfriend, Philippe grabs hold of Ani and tells her that if he does die, it will at least be a beautiful death. The words do little to ease Ani's concerns. But stuck between asking him to abandon his dream and helping him prepare for it, Ani opts for the latter. She continues doing everything she can to make sure Philippe returns safe and sound. Out in the field, she helps simulate the wind Philippe will endure if he makes it to the top of the towers. Along with a handful of their friends, Ani yanks on Philippe's cable, making it dance and sway, replicating the hazardous condition she prays he'll be able to handle. Off balance and close to being tipped over, Philippe's face is a mask of concentration. Each time he steps on the wire, Ani watches him closely as his expression changes in an instant to the same zen-like state of focus. Slowly, her worries start to dissipate as Philippe proves his skills on the wire. Even with Ani doing her best to knock him off balance, it's as if he's glued to the cable. Watching him, she can't help but believe that Philippe will actually be able to pull off this crazy stunt after all. Despite Philippe's reservations about his girlfriend accompanying him to New York, Ani will eventually get her way. Days before the planned date of the walk, Philippe will call her and tell her to get on a plane to America. And soon, with Ani as his witness, Philippe will be back on top of the towers, looking out again across the cavernous gap. But this time, he'll be armed with all the tools he needs to make his dream a reality. It's the early morning of August 7, 1974, on top of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Philippe Petit prepares to take his first step out onto an inch-thin cable over a quarter of a mile above the ground. Last night, Philippe and part of his team managed to evade the tower's tight security and successfully reach their designated destinations in each of the towers. Now the time has finally come to execute their plan. At 4 a.m., Illuminated by only a single red light warning aircraft not to fly too close, Philippe sees his accomplices appear on the opposite tower. Ready with their makeshift bow and arrow, they launch the cable high across the gap, but it gets lost in the darkness. Anxiety mounts as both teams fear the rope didn't make it over. After several nervous minutes, they find it teetering on the edge of the south tower. With the chasm bridged, the two teams set to work attaching the cable to each building. 
They aren't able to get the cable nearly as tight as they would like, but it's not enough slack to deter Philippe. Just before 7 a.m., the morning fog encircling the towers begins to clear, and Philippe steps out onto the wire. Immediately, he knows he's made the right decision. Walking on the cable feels right. His mood instantly lifts, and with every step he takes, he grows in confidence. Then Philippe starts to perform. Hundreds of feet below, Annie's eyes fill with tears as she spots Philippe's small figure far above her in the sky. She calls for those around her to look up, drawing a large audience who gaze in wonder as Philippe continues his crossing, stopping every now and again to sit or lay down on the wire. When he kneels and salutes, the emotion is too much for Ani, who bursts into tears. With such a large crowd growing, it doesn't take long for the police to arrive. And sensing danger from a nearby helicopter, Philippe decides to end his performance, but not before crossing between the two buildings eight times over 45 minutes. In the days after Philippe Petit's achievements, charges against him for criminal trespassing and disorderly conduct will be dropped in exchange for him putting on a children's show in Central Park. He will go on to become an overnight celebrity, appearing on the biggest talk shows and the front pages of nearly every newspaper in the world. Just as he had hoped, Philippe Petit would become a performing icon, remembered as the man who did what seemed impossible, pulling off the perfect artistic caper when he walked a wire strung between the Twin Towers on August 7, 1974. Next on History Daily, August 8, 1988. A wave of student-led protests against Myanmar's socialist dictator leads to a ruthless military crackdown. From Noiser and Airship, this is History Daily, hosted, edited, and executive produced by me, Lindsey Graham. Audio editing by Mohammed Shazib. Sound design by Molly Bach. Music by Lindsey Graham. This episode is written and researched by Owen Paul Nichols. Executive producers are Alexandra Curry-Buckner for Airship and Pascal Hughes for Noiser. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.